when we came to Cyprus in 1999 as a family, uh, we, we had one word from the Lord. There, there, was, there was only thing, a very supernatural uh, thing had happened where we were in the east coast of the United States, where our family was living. And we were praying one day. We knew the Lord was stirring our nest as a, as a family and that he was calling us uh, to move back abroad and growing up as a, in a mission family. And it was that time again where he was stirring the nest. He was calling us to the next assignment. And, uh, and so we gathered as a family to pray in our living room. We spread out a map of the world. We love maps and we love to pray looking at maps because the heart of God is over the nations of the world. And then my parents said, why don't you guys just wait on the Lord and ask, and then we'll go around, and each of you see, where, ask the Lord, where is he sending our family? Where, where is it that he, the next assignment for our family is? And, and after a time of waiting on the Lord, and we learned as kids uh, not to have to wait too long, because the longer we waited and delayed, and if we didn't have an answer, then my dad said, well, okay, well, let's pray again. And so we learned that we needed to get a word from God quick or else it could go for hours because he was very persistent in that area to train us to hear and to wait on the Lord. And so pr pretty soon we all went around and you, heads lifted up and my parents asked, Where, what place is the Lord leading our family to? One by one, very miraculously, the Lord had highlighted this little island of Cyprus to each of the siblings as we went around the room. And we heard uh, this direction, and we, began, and we just moved on it in faith. We moved on it and, 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 and to, to step out. We had an outreach trip to Ethiopia, and then from there we were coming uh, to the island, not knowing anyone here in Cyprus. And then on the last minute, we got the contact literally before taking the ferry from Haifa to, to Lemassol of uh, the contact of Daniel and Irene Ioannidis. And uh, they met us so kindly at the port. Still, we didn't know anyone other than them. We just met them. They took us in, and we began to explore. And the very first thing after we found a place and the Lord uh, led us to Monyatis, he said, it was this simple mandate. Build for me an altar of worship and prayer. And so, very simply, we just began to meet as a family each morning and have a time of worship and prayer, just like we're still doing. Just like we're still doing. And it's such a joy for me to have uh, my siblings here and my extended family and, and, and those that are like family to us that are here, Hannah and Rena and others that have come in for this time and just to worship together. And because uh, and, that's just that's what we do is we live around the altar. We camp out around the altar. There's a... Uh, even uh, there's a there's a psalm I think Psalm 84 maybe that says even your uh, even the sparrow has made its nest in your altars O God and he, there's a place for us to camp out around the presence of God and so we just began to do that day by day and before we had vision for a training program and before we had a vision for establishing a a missional community and an apostolic center and all those things that the Lord we walk into it was just simply to build the altar of the Lord. And there's a, there's a verse uh, that, that I want to share with you and that, is, that resonates in my heart and, and, uh, and I, I, it doesn't let go of me. It's from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Instructions concerning the place of God's presence. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out, 
And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offering. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. Without a place to honor the presence of God, all of our vision, as clever as our mission statements are, we lack the very reason for our ministry, for our life, and for our existence. And in the scriptures we see amongst the patriarchs and the men and women who went before us and led by their example, that there were different kinds of altars that were constructed for the Lord and for His presence. There are personal altars where a man had an encounter with God and there he built an altar to bring a sacrifice and to bring something of obedience to the Lord as an act of worship and to make a memorial before the presence of the Lord, a place where God could come and land, a place where God could come and be recognized, a place that was set apart to the Lord. The fire on the altar must never go out. It shall never go out. And so we began to meet day by day and, and to build this altar and we've come to recognize that it's not wood and stone. There's different kind of altars that we find in the scripture that God is so much interested in. He's interested in the heart of a man. And yet we find that, that Jacob constructed an altar. Abraham constructed an altar before the Lord. Before that, Noah it constructed an altar before God after his deliverance. And these altars not only become a place of obedience and an act of worship, but they become a memorial to the very presence of God when the God of heaven, when the God of eternity broke through time and space and touched land and redeemed man and redeemed land. And that's the business that God is in in this day to redeem man and to redeem land. So I can't separate in my own journey of these last 19 years with a company of friends of building an altar to the Lord, my encounters in the presence of God from the land around me that has been redeemed by Him. There has been a supernatural love that's been placed in my heart for this island. There's been a love that, that I love to walk the land. I love to look at the mountains. I love to walk along the coastlines. And because even before the Lord ever sent us here, he spoke Cyprus into our hearts and that there was a divine purpose for what he was doing in this season of, of, of history. Yes, it's been used by the Lord in past seasons, but there's something that as we come nearer to the day of the Lord, that there's an acceleration in the spirit of God and we'll see greater glory in the latter days. And so there's personal altars that are built out of uh, love and out of obedience and out of sacrifice and out of worship before the Lord. But there's also family altars that are established where it's not just a man or a woman before his God, but a family gathers around with a divine destiny and families create a place in their home as an altar before God where their lives are changed and, and the young ones are raised up in the ways of the Lord. The fire must never go out upon the altar. And as we've given our lives to live in, in, in relative obscurity up in Monyatis, of course, when we say Monyatis, everyone says, oh, very nice. The air is too much fresh there. 
Only better village is Perapadi because they have more doctors. But hidden on the side of a mountain range, hidden at the beginning of the pine forest that goes up Trodos. Why meet day after day after day around an altar of prayer and worship? Because God loves the land and He loves the people. And He wants a place for heaven to touch down. He wants a place where He can respond. He wants a landing pad for His glory. He wants a spot on earth. He loves geography. He doesn't just only love the spiritual things. He loves the things that His own hands and His own words made and crafted and created. He loves land. He loves geography. He loves the peoples that he places in those lands. And he's redeeming peoples unto himself. And he's redeeming nations unto himself. But he's also redeeming land and creation unto himself. And we purchased a piece of property up there some years later, and we began to see miracles and the supernatural take place on that property that Bedek was talking about in Ayos Mamas. And it was just a sign for us to, to open our eyes and have a wider vision to see that when we take steps of faith and obedience, just like we build an altar in worship and prayer, if we are give a, a place that's blessed and that's set apart and consecrated to the Lord, that He wants to say, watch and see what I will do to redeem land and people to Myself. And so there are personal altars and there are family altars, but then there are corporate altars that are established as well. And this is where a, a company of friends, this is where the people of God gather around together. These are the altars that are the places of worship. These are the places where fellowships gather. There's altars for the city. And when the Lord put it on our hearts to have these streams gatherings and to see a streaming together of the different expressions for the corporate altar of the Lord over the city and over the island as we've done it in different cities. And, as, and we've met in different places here on the island that our cry and our contention is, Lord, would you look down from heaven and would you see with favor and would you release blessing upon this people and upon this land? But it's for a purpose. It's not just to cry out for revival that our hearts might be renewed, but there's an end time purpose as well that is deeply connected to this that we, the Lord has, has woven into our hearts, is woven into our prayers that we have got on our knees and that we've got with tears streaming down our faces over the years. To say, as it was in the first century as the gospel was going out, and at the, after the persecution in Jerusalem, where was it that first disciples began to go? It mentions three places. Antioch, Cyprus, Cyrene. Which is three places around this eastern part of the Mediterranean that the, the, the expansion of the gospel came out of. And we see, as we read through the book of Acts, that there was a launching that took place as uh, that first apostolic journey for, for Barnabas and Saul to come to this island and to be launched out into Asia Minor and then the gospel to go out into Europe from Asia Minor and to, to spread and to go out. But in the last days and in the end times, there's a regathering of God and as the, as the gospel has gone to the very uttermost parts, the very ends of the earth, it's moving its way back to Jerusalem. 
And so we know that two things have to take place. One, it is that the gospel must be preached in all nations. To the very ends of the earth, all peoples must have the witness of the Lord. But also, that there will be salvation of Israel. That there will be a people in Jerusalem will raise up to welcome Yeshua back to his home. To welcome him back to his kingdom on earth. To welcome him back to the holy city of Jerusalem. And so the gospel goes to the ends of the earth, but then it moves its way backwards. It moves its way back along the same routes. And along those places, there are altars that have been established throughout church history. That they not only tell the story of what happened in times past, but they stand as memorials to every generation to be able to look and see and to be able to say, as it was at the beginning of this gospel movement, so it can be if there's a heart that says yes. So it can be with the greater force behind the very movement of the gospel. The very advance of the kingdom of God and everything that we have gained and everything that has been restored over centuries and over millennia is at our backs at this time. Everything that we have received in the kingdom and as the people of God is propelling us from behind, is propelling and pushing us back. And as the gospel and the greatest witness that we see today is at the very uttermost parts of the earth. There are altars that have been established all along the way that stand as a memorial to provoke us to what God did in the past, but to inspire us for what God desires to do in this day, now in our generation. The fire must never go out upon the altar. We've dared to believe God for a little island in the eastern Mediterranean that will be used and have a, be a place of significance, not just because, because we live here or because we, we love it. And I love Cyprus. I love Cyprus. When God called us and began to stir us towards this idea of our next assignment, there was about three days where I wept nonstop. I wept throughout the day. Just my tears would come again to my eyes again and again and again. Because in prayer, in the place of standing as a priest before the Lord and asking God for his move and for the restoration of the first things to the last days, that there's been an intertwining of my own heart to believe. And I still believe. And what I want to share with us today is that the fire must not go out upon the altar. The fire must not go out upon the altar. And it starts first in our individual lives. It's that personal altar of our devotion to the Lord. It's that our personal altar, each man, each woman before their God, each child before their God. And then it comes by extension into our family units, into our home where there's the greatest example of the kingdom to be demonstrated is through redeemed families. Fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, extended family gathered together. What I understand of a move of the Holy Spirit in Katos Dries a little over 100 years ago here on this island in a Pentecostal outpouring was that it happened in the context of a family home. A family gathering where people were assembled together and the building shook when the prayers were prayed and supernatural was released and there were healings and signs and wonders that gave birth to a movement of God here on the island. It's not only a personal altar, it's a family altar. Often we're tempted to say, well, I just wish my church 
had a stronger prayer ministry. I just wish the group of people that I was with was given more to evangelism or was doing more for all these things. But what about maintaining our personal altar before the Lord? What the fire must not go out upon my own living altar, the altar of my heart before God, where the devotion burns red hot for the Lord. And if there's anything as that we have gathered and that we have participated in this move of what God has done, and I've watched and I've listened to the themes that have come out at conferences and in different places over the years, that there's been a movement and a call to prayer on this island. And I believe that it's part of that last day's call for a praying bride to welcome in her bridegroom king. And the call to prayer literally shifts atmospheres and environments. It changes things. When people come to visit, they say, there's an open heaven over Cyprus. This is a place of revelation. This is a place where we hear God clear. In this last month alone, we've had approximately 100 or so guests come in and spend five to seven days, some longer with us in Monyatis, here just camping out around the altar, not with an agenda. There's not a whole lot we can tell them to do. Caledonia Falls, you can do a 20-minute hike, see a nice trickle of water. It's a little bit refreshing. Plotris, yeah. Um, but the altar of the Lord... The altar of the Lord is what people come for, to gather around and say, I need a word from God. I need it to be touched. I want the smell of the fire that has landed upon the sacrifice where the favor of the Lord lies, where the blessing of the Lord lies. The fire must not go out upon the altar. And so it's easy to point fingers to others, or it's easy to look to institutions to fulfill the thing that should be the very essence of our own lives. Steward your personal altar before the Lord. Build your family altar before the Lord. And out of the strength of your personal and family altars, there is a corporate altar that creates a greater landing pad for the glorious presence of Yeshua. It creates a greater area, surface area, for His fire to fall upon. And as we give ourselves to our personal and family altars, Increase comes when we gather together, and that's what Streams is about. In the beginning, we called it inspired by the promises of Isaiah 35 that in that day that there would be streams that would spring up in dry places. Streams would flow again in the desert. But there was a time where there was a shift came, and we heard from the Lord, and he said, no longer call it streams in the desert because the spiritual climate has changed. There's open heaven Call it streams to represent the streams of my body here on the island coming together for a corporate altar. And that's what we're around tonight. A corporate, corporate altar of living stones, not, not, not stones that are take, taken from the earth, but living stones fashioned, fit together, brought together to create a greater landing surface for the glorious presence of the Lord. The fire must not go out upon the altar, personal, family, and corporately. In many ways, starting with that first mandate, build for me an altar of prayer and worship, 
and just simply meeting and then watching how the Lord began to develop and unfold and to give us vision. But all along, all along the time, whether it was a training school or a community or programs or outreaches or going after the redemptive gifts of Cyprus, it was still centered around the altar of his presence gathered around the altar of his presence where the fire falls, where he comes and he meets us, where he encounters us, where everything changes. Someone said something I was, I was sharing at a fellowship last week, and somebody said something. He said, Matthew, we owe a debt for, to you for all the prayers for our island over the years. And I said, no, no, it's, there's no debt. There's no debt. Obedience brings blessing and favor from the Lord. But this is what I left thinking about as I was driving back up the mountain to go home. In many ways, learning to build the altar of the Lord has been an experiment for us. It started 19 years ago, in the summer of 1999. It's been an experiment to see how do we do this? What does it look like? How, how, do, how do we do worship as a family and worship? It was just our family in the beginning. And then there was others, and uh, Kinar and Stephen and others that began to gather, and other friends began to gather around, and we had to learn. And, and, and we're like, we don't know if this is going to work, but we just hear something from the Lord. We hear a sound from heaven, and we're taking a step of faith and obedience, and he would meet us each step of the way. But those ex- that experiment at the intersection of prayer and worship and of discipleship and training and of, of outreach in a context of the Near East here in Cyprus, it became an experience. It went from an experiment to an experience because of the encounters of God around the altar. It went from an experiment where we had a question in our hearts to an experience where we are confident of the nature of God. And I feel a debt to the Lord and the privilege to live here on this island, to be a part of it, and to to what started as an experiment, to become an experience through encounter around the altar, that my life is forever changed. And so once the Lord sends Sarah and I and our family out, and He's given us our next assignment to go, we are going rich because of the experience. We're going rich because the experiment succeeded. We're going rich because we have a track record of the faithfulness. And it's this simple. Build an altar for the Lord. Build it personally. Build it as a family. Build it corporately. And allow the Lord to bring the part that we can't provide. You see, in the biblical altar, it's first the structure. The structure has to do with our relationships. In our personal altar, it's you and God. In your family altar, it's the parents and the children together. In the corporate altar, it's the people of God gathered together, living stones fashioned by the Lord, put together, and we have to learn how to be formed so that we can create a structure, a place for God's presence to come and land on, a place for God's presence to come and inhabit And as we create that corporate altar, and it's the strength of our relationships together, walking together, believing as a kingdom people that he's destined our lives for something greater than ourselves, but to be something that will redeem people and will redeem land. And as we we have watched this and we have seen this, it has changed our own lives. 
our lives have been transformed. I'll never be the same, but I have a confidence inside of me that if the Lord says, I'm sending you to the northeast of the United States, and I have a plan for you there. I have a new ministry assignment for your life. I don't need to have a vision statement at this point in time. I need to have obedience in my heart. I don't need to have it all worked out or a five-year plan. I need to have joyful obedience in my heart that I know and that I am sure that if I go, what I carry is the encounters with God. What I carry is the experiences around the altar. And if it worked in Cyprus on the side of a mountain, it's going to work in the northeast of the United States. And if it will work here, it will work in any nation, it will work in any place because it's God's ways, it's His design, it's His plan. We're sending out Remy and Sarah, the Arnaud family, at the same time at the beginning of the summer. What works here around the altar, what you've experienced of the, of the presence of the Lord. So if our lives create, if relationships create the structure of the altar, there's a sacrifice that goes upon it. That's our worship. That's our prayer. That's our devotion. That's getting up when we don't feel like getting up. That's being consistent when we don't feel like being consistent. That's coming day after day before the very presence of God and saying, you're worthy. You're worthy for my life to be poured out, for my life to be poured out before you as an offering. But the part in the biblical altar that we can't provide is the fire. The fire is the heavenly part of the equation. Elijah, in his confrontation with the prophets of Baal, he built the altar. He gave instructions, dig a ditch around it, pour water on it, pour more on it, put the sacrifice on it, bring the wood, soak it. But he knew that he couldn't provide the fire, but he believed in the God of fire. And he called upon the Lord, and the Lord answered by fire because he loves the altar. He loves the place of obedience. He loves the place of worship. He loves the place of sacrifice. He loves to come and to dwell on. He loves to come and dwell within his people. If we provide the altar, if we provide the sacrifice, he answers with fire from heaven. When fire comes upon the sacrifice, there is a fragrance that rises up before the Lord. And when he smells that fragrance, he pours back favor. And the altar is a sign of our relationship with God and with each other. But it's also a memorial. Those stones that are left in that place. Jacob established a, a stone of remembrance. He established an altar before the Lord at Bethel, but then he moved on in his journey, but that stone remained there, and the Lord brought him back at another time to come again and to remember what the faithfulness of God was to him and that he doesn't change and he's always the same. When we got here to Cyprus, as I began to look at the Scriptures and discover this man Barnabas, it was as if in the spirit I was encountering a memorial. I was like, I haven't heard enough about this man growing up. I've grown up in a, in a Christian family. I've grown up in ministry. I've grown up hearing a lot, but I haven't heard enough about him. And I began to read Acts 4 and, and Acts 11 and Acts 13, Acts 15, and all these places where Barnabas keeps resurfacing and learned about him that he was a good man, full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. He was a Levite who had land, and he went and sold it and laid it at the apostles' feet. He was a man of generosity. 
he was the one who released destiny and others. He went and he found Saul when all of the others in Jerusalem were afraid of him because of the persecution and didn't believe the transformation, the change that took place in his life. He brought Saul before the apostles and told his story on his behalf of his transformation. And I was, and I was like, there's a memorial. I feel it in the spirit when I came to this island, I began to say, Lord, I want to be like him. I want to resemble that man. I want to be a good man full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. I want to be a man given to generosity. I want to release destiny in others. I want to walk in the spirit of Barnabas. Every time we've sent out a team from this island over these last 19 years, and teams have gone from Cyprus in the fulfillment of what we saw in the beginning, and Saul and Barnabas kicking off that first missionary voyage into Asia Minor from Antioch, Cyprus, and then things began to explode. There's been increase, and it's not just us. This, I'm just telling you my own experience, my own encounters with the Lord. But we have sent teams to the north, to Ukraine, to Turkey, to Syria. We sent teams to the east. Many times to Israel, to Egypt, to the south, to Ethiopia. Many, many times from this island. We sent teams out to the other islands of the Mediterranean. We sent teams going across from Eastern Europe all the way across to Western Europe. We sent teams all around from this little island. And each time we go out and we pray for our teams to be sent out. And they're saying, Lord, as it was in the first century, we want to see an apostolic explosion of apostolic mission teams that will be released from this island. Let it reawaken something in the very spiritual DNA that's embedded into the earth of this island and into the, into the spiritual memory of this place. And that would you raise up again, not just us, but a multitude all across this island in Limassol, in Paphos, in Larnaca, in Nicosia, on the no north side of the island. Lord, do it again. Again, release it again, do it again. And wherever we go, our outreach teams will talk and will be invited. And rarely do we ever get announced as Gateways Beyond, we get announced as the team from Cyprus. In the beginning, it annoyed me. It was like, well, why don't they ever remember our ministry name? But I began to see purpose in it because we were after awakening. That testimony of Barnabas after awakening, the apostolic mission sending again. And, it, and, and we'd go across all around France and it would be L'Equipe de Chypre. The team from Cyprus and all, all over the place. And every time that we introduce ourselves, staff, you know this, you've heard this so many times, you've learned to do it well, but as we introduce ourselves, we say, we come from a little island in the eastern Mediterranean, but we have a big vision for God to restore apostolic missions again, and we come to you in the spirit of hope, we come to you in the spirit of courage, we come to you in the spirit of prophecy, like Barnabas, we come in the spirit of Barnabas to say, what God is doing in this place is good, now continue on in the work that God has given for you to do. We found that the altar can be both a fixed memorial, but it also travels well when it's real on the inside, when we've established a personal altar before the Lord. And so I want to encourage us tonight. There are many redemptive gifts. There's 
much that the Lord has put within our hearts that we are believing for, contending for. Now, we're not, although we founded the ministry and we stood here, we're not uh, leaving and closing doors, closing up shop. We have passed on and set in leaders in Norman Heidel, who's playing guitar here tonight with the beautiful beard, and his wife to lead the community in Monyatis with a team around him, Ruben and, and others. And they're co continuing to say, Lord, we want to see the fire on the altar. Now, the vision state, uh, the, the, the different um, aspects of the ministry can change, but there's one thing that remains constant. There's an altar that's established of prayer and of worship. And then we're going to get a hold of heaven. We're going to ask for fire to fall. And we're asking for that fire to come on the sacrifice that a fragrance rises up. Lord, would you look down from heaven? Would you smell the fragrance of prayer and of worship? Would you look down from heaven and see a people gathered, Lord? And would you pour out your favor upon us and accelerate your work in this day greater than what we saw in the book of Acts at the beginning of the story of the gospel movement. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And so our experiment became an experience through encounter. Thank you, Lord. Four words along the way that have been our song, that have been our exhortation, when we talk about gathering around the presence of the Lord, around the altar of the Lord, is that we're called to praise, we're called to pray, we're called to prophesy, and we're called to proclaim. We're going to praise and pray and prophesy and proclaim. We're going to pray we're going to praise, we're going to prophesy and proclaim. And when we gather around the altar of the Lord, it's not long before the wind of the Spirit comes on that fire and sparks begin to fly. And he carries just a little ember. I stand before you tonight, not with great accomplishment, but as a little ember that the breath of God has caught up, as wind of the Spirit is carrying. That ember is being taken across the sea, across lands, to a new location. That fire to land in a new place for a new altar to be established. But there's a track record. There are markers, there are memorials to the presence of God. And in each place, where God has given for us to build an altar. The patriarchs built many altars, and they dug different wells. But whenever there's an altar and a well, it remained in the eyes of heaven for future generations. I believe that what God is establishing, has established, and will establish here in Cyprus is to remain. So the fire must never go out upon the altar. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, I just pray, Lord God, that in simplicity, Lord God, obedience and in great love, we would respond, Father, to your 
drawing upon our hearts, we would respond, Lord God. That we would catch the sense of both the ancient things that have been preserved for generations, that have been preserved in the earth of Cyprus that are just waiting to be redug and to be rebuilt. There's wells to redig. There's new wells to dig. There's altars to be uncovered and there's new altars to build both personally as families and corporately. But most of all, Lord, we need your fire. We need your presence, God. We need the fire of your presence. So we ask, come and land upon the fire of our heart tonight. On the altar of our heart tonight, come and land with your fire. And we ask these things not for ourselves, not just for the body of believers here in Cyprus, but we ask for exponential impact, Lord God. We ask for multiplication and increase. That the altar here in Cyprus, Lord, that many sparks, many flames will be sent out from this island to the nations surrounding the Mediterranean, to Turkey, to Syria, to Lebanon to Israel, to Egypt, to Libya, Tunisia, Algeria, Morocco, Lord, all across North Africa, the islands of the Mediterranean. Father, we ask that there will be a deep that cries out to deep where their ancient altars have stood before you, places of your presence in past seasons, but what you are uncovering in this day and in this age. And Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would tap us into, Lord God, the richness of our heritage, Lord, as the people of God in the journey of the gospel out from Jerusalem to the uttermost parts of the earth. But we ask as the gospel comes back in our day and our age that the altar would not be found untended. The flame would not go out, but there would be you, O oh God, as our eternal light, as our eternal flame. The Lord grant you favor with his fire, the fire of his presence. Thank you.